0: fell on those times. I went when the Boost Mobile. He passed. Boost Mobile Store crash. I mean Boost Mobile Store launch. I'm going through depression. Lose relationship. Lose the Boost Mobile Store. I fall on hard times. I went and start working at a warehouse. Wow. Yeah. Right? You go from all
1: that to working at a warehouse. That's humbling. I go from... Yo, there's nothing where... Wor- it, it's bad to be down. Mm-hmm. But nothing worse than to go up and then come down. Yo. That's
0: tough. I go from living in a condo in Alpharetta, driving a G Class Benz truck, AMG, to a 1996 Mercury Cougar, mm. working at a warehouse, living in my sister's house. With five kids, at the time she had five kids in the three bedroom, four bedroom. I, I made it uncomfortable. Yeah. I made the living uncomfortable. Yeah. I didn't even have a bedroom. Said I had an air bed. The Mercury Cooler the door didn't open from the inside. I had to open it from the outside. Mm. Listen to me. That's when I said, and I knew it. Looking back, <laughs> yo, you finna get. The bar I've never I was going through depression and didn't know it You know how I found out I'm working at a warehouse and I go Why am I here Once again I'm poor hustling I wanted to They were going to fire me I needed to make it to Christmas Because we get Christmas bonus It's like Mm a $2,000 check Mm -hmm. right I said How do I do it thinking I go and I call I know the next day they're going to fire me so I call psychiatric uh, hospitals to have insurance and say I'm thinking about hurting somebody they go are you thinking about hurting yourself I go no I'm thinking about hurting my manager so they go okay let's come me in for a psych evaluation I go what happened I go yo listen I'm just randomly crying having outbreaks Real emotional and it's just like I don't know why it's always him As a person like when I'm dreaming It's him that I'm seeing on myself Punching and like physically attacking I don't know what it is it was like, well, What kind of hours you working? I'm working 60 hours a week Boom 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 She take me off work that day They were going to fire me that night mm. But I've talked myself so much into this story To get out of work They made me go to counseling <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> in counseling, I find my depression. Wow. Of what I was going through, where I was at, mind state, what I didn't deal with.
1: What did you find out about yourself through counseling?
0: through the traumas that I was living through, I've never dealt with them. I was uncomfortable even talking about my best friend. Like i made it to where it didn't exist. So they taught me and I remember she was like giving me different exercises and she had to make me comfortable even speaking and acknowledging what happened, things that happened. It's okay. It's part of life. That I had to cope with that, with the fact that that relationship I had is gone. Yeah. So after that. She had to deal with it head on. Boom. Wow. So then I realized, it took me a little while, I went back and um, when I went back to that job, kicked in and said why are you even here I got the bonus mm-hmm. got the crystal right. I What's came right? back a week before right. I got the bonus <laughs> right listen they were upset right shout out to ABW out there in Kennesaw yeah I got the check right um I went and I said why am I even here I went to apply for Wells Fargo I became a personal banker
1: guys from warehouse personal banker
0: got back in my suit got it <laughs> right right so, back to the old you so i got back in my suit yeah <laughs> so uh i got back in the suit um and that's when i started learning banking products i started learning that people couldn't get approved for business loans they couldn't get approved for loans at all like the the ratio for people who get loans mm-hmm. I was giving loans to people who I would look and they would have like a two million dollar mortgage. What? Yeah, they would have a two million dollar mortgage. They can come and get a loan. Oh, you got a? Oh, you got two hundred thousand? Yeah, nah, you can't get nothing. Hold on, a two million dollar mortgage? Yeah, no. Listen, I was working in Roswell, Wells Fargo. Right. People will come in, they have $2 million mortgages. They will be able to come in and go, looking for a personal loan, they can come and get
2: What distinguishes incest from sexual assault is that for sexual assault, the state would have to prove that the sex was non-consensual. But for incest, even consensual sex is considered a crime in the state of Nevada if it's an incestuous relationship. Ostensibly, the state chooses to regulate it as a morality issue and to prevent inbreeding and increased risk of birth
3: defect. Compact, sedan, and they just find out when you get there. Right, right. Two row, you get to choose a car, no hidden fees, everything is clear as day. So that was the benefit. So with me, I was driving my, this is how it happened. Justin, new ACO. I got a rental car. I'm like, man, I don't care what car it is. I got a little small Ford, like the small little, I think it was a Forte, I don't know what it's called. A Small car. Right. I had a meeting with Justin Owens, new ACO. I went to Target to go drop, we parked in Target. I went to the car, he hopped in his car, what car? It was S550. I hopped in my, my um, little small Ford. He clowned the heck out of me. Because <laughs> like, y'all about
1: the same well, height,
3: too. And he knows how much money I make. Right. <laughs> he knows what I can afford. He was clowning like, bro, why are you in that car? Right. Like, why does it matter? Right. We just need to get to point A, point B. Nobody cares. Everybody knows I got it. Why does it matter? But he said, he screw me so much. On my, my whole ride home, I was like, man, I'm about to get in car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of this. driving this. I'm tired of having to explain myself. <laughs> that's how I ended up getting the testimony. So that's well, the question. Why would somebody not just um, rent a car from Hertz or Budget or traditional car mm-hmm. company versus Turo? Because you have more options for nicer cars. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: What about credit checks and credit cards? I know you sometimes... there was a point in my life where you're so, you say, okay, I'm gonna go get, I'm gonna get a rental car, but you never know what they're gonna ask for. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, my heart always
3: You don't know if you're gonna get it, you're gonna get it They need credit
1: card? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. So with Turo, you don't need to have a credit card, that's another benefit of it. Or the platforms like Turo, even a personal booking, all depends on how somebody wants to run their business, but usually with a traditional, you have to be a certain age, Mm to put it on a certain deposit, certain credit, uh, what else do they need? Sometimes you have to have a flight ticket to prove that you're not a true, local.
1: True, like true. Certain
3: car, of course they do it to protect your business, I understand, yeah. but some people don't have those options, so they need other options to be able to get a car to run out.
1: Gotcha. So, so they really, really Toro, they'll let anybody who has the driver's of license. They,
3: of course they go do background checks. Of course, there, there's a, 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 a vetting process. Of course, all that. And of course, the car's insured. But it's not as difficult as gotcha. the traditional gotcha. rental car. Gotcha, control. gotcha.
1: And you can just find what you like. Make like right. something nice. Gotcha. That's the
3: key piece. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's options. I got better so,
1: options. So income potential. Walk me through income potential. Income
3: potential. Depending on what car you have, it always falls around anywhere. Cash flowing. This is net profit. Cash flowing anywhere from $300 a month. To even upwards of what I was making, three thousand dollars per car. Mm. My Corvette was averaging sixteen hundred. My my Tesla was averaging twenty six hundred. Um, profit, plus, after profit, 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 profit. This is literally profit. Mm. Um, my my C three hundred. It didn't perform as well. It was probably in the the eight hundred dollar range. Mm-hmm. So, it all, but but me. I have my receipts, so and I show cash people. Cash flow is
1: cash flow, though. Cash flow is precious. cash flow.
3: So you then compare your cash flow to the amount of time that it takes to manage the operation. So with me, I did it all by myself. I then hired one of my brothers at church to help me out with the check-ins and checkouts. But it wasn't labor-intensive. I was still able to do my real business, my marketing mm. agency. I was still able to do the things that I really enjoy, going to church, hosting Bible studies, while managing these three cars. And I realized that the cars that I had leveraged the marketing deals that I was actually closing. Mm. And I told people, yeah, I own a car rental company, small, small fleet, three cars. I got a Corvette, Maserati, C300. They were so amazed at the fact that I was in this business that they weren't even thinking about the marketing no more. They was just signing the deal. Oh, tell me about the Corvette. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about that story that you told me. How do I get in this? It was, so, it was amazing leverage. Where do we? Where do you keep all these cars? All right, all right. this is crazy. That's a good question. So I initially, remember where I was keeping my cars? Target. Yes. Once I went okay. from three and I turned up, I was parking the cars, I was trying to park the cars at Target. The Target um, G- general manager called me and said, um, is this is Matthew. Are you the one who has all these cars on my lot? He said, "Yeah, you, you gotta move
4: them." So You're OD'ing
3: right now. I, I, I did the most. I, I forced <laughs> You're OD'ing right now. I was getting away with the three cars. But as soon as I tried to bring them all there. Then now I was like, "All right, I'll move them." Can can you give me like a week to figure it out? He mm-hmm. said, "He was cool. He was super cool. Cool, I'll give you a week." I think it was during it was it was, it was during a big weekend where they needed they definitely needed the space. Mm-hmm. And now my cars are a big attraction. Everybody was taking pictures. You can see on the cameras. They showed me. Everybody was going around the cars, taking pictures near the cars, oh, all that right. crazy stuff. So I had to figure it out. I had to move all my cars to my apartment, one of my other apartments in Norcross. It Cross. I got a picture of it. All my cars lined up in all the parking spaces. I got away from it for two weeks until they called me and said, you got to move these cars. <laughs> right. By God's grace, by God's grace. As I was posting, every time I got a new car, I posted on my Instagram, like, look, I got another car.
2: In terms of the severity of penalty, possession would be the least serious narcotic offense. Then would come possession for sales of narcotics would be more serious. Then actual sales of narcotics and finally trafficking of narcotics. And in essence the penalties go up like steps uh, with each level of narcotics possession Nevada narcotics laws are actually the harshest in the country and even sale of a small quantity of narcotics can subject an individual to substantial periods of incarceration as a matter of fact under the Nevada trafficking law sale of more than 28 grams of a controlled narcotic can subject an individual to life in prison upon conviction. Uh, although the the statutes are broken up into uh, possession, uh, possession for sale, sale of narcotics and trafficking laws, uh, because uh, the amounts in to be considered trafficking in Nevada are so low. as a matter of fact, four grams or higher can can constitute trafficking in Nevada. Um, if you're charged for trafficking, you know, you really need to obtain counsel because the penalties are very harsh here. The good news with regard to narcotics laws in the state of Nevada is although, The laws themselves are very harsh. Typically, prosecuting agencies are fairly reasonable about negotiating resolutions in these cases. For example, um, one case that got a substantial amount of media attention was when Paris Hilton was arrested for possessing cocaine and um, it was originally a felony charge. There was a lot of media attention, other celebrities, and, and certainly a lot of people that aren't famous, you know, go to Nevada, specifically Las Vegas, to, to have a good time, to party, uh, and choose to engage in narcotic activity. Um, most often, although the penalties uh, are severe, um, for a simple possession of narcotics, it's very common to be able to negotiate a resolution that involves a plea to a misdemeanor offense so that uh, a fun time in Las Vegas on the weekend doesn't necessarily turn into a lifetime of uh, difficulty uh, and a, a felony record. I'm attorney Michael Becker with the Las Vegas Defense Group. If you or a loved one has been charged with a criminal offense in Las Vegas or throughout the state of Nevada, trust in me and my legal team to get your case dismissed or otherwise negotiate a resolution that causes minimal harm to you and your future. The penalties depend on whether or not you have priors. For a first-time offense, it would be treated the same as a DUI, alcohol. Uh, Minimum two days in jail, up to six months in jail. Uh, For a second time offense, it's a minimum of 10 days in jail. And for a third time offense, within seven years, you're looking at a felony with a minimum one year in state prison. Additionally, you would be required to do a DUI class, which you could do online you'd be required to attend a victim impact program and you'd be required to pay fines and fees here in the state of Nevada. If you've been in an accident while driving with a prohibited substance, including marijuana, and someone's been injured, the penalties go up substantially. And you're looking at up to 20 years in state prison, If you were in a DUI, marijuana-related accident where somebody was injured. I need an
3: ambulance over here. Is it upstairs? No. That's just upstairs? Oh, I think he's out here. What's he hat on? That's just upstairs, though? Is he like a head upstairs? I don't know.
1: Okay. South North
3: this
1: is East 15th, uh yeah. to the green are the we
4: upstairs. you good? Yeah. Anybody upstairs? Anybody up there?
0: There,
3: there, there. Yeah. More, more. That yeah. Hey, I need a boss over here, got somebody hit somebody, I need a boss over here, got somebody hit I got somebody hit, what's up guys, open up I got somebody that back here. I got somebody that shit back here. Oh okay, okay,
5: A popular hip hop podcaster arrested in connection with the deadly shooting at Irving Plaza last May faced a judge today.
2: All right, as Lisa Everett shows us, federal prosecutors think they've got more than enough evidence to prove that he is the trigger man.
5: There were some stunning claims in a case here at federal court that has disturbed many in New York's hip-hop community. A federal prosecutor says a popular podcast host known for shooting off his mouth was also shooting off a gun inside Irving Plaza last May, but his attorney denies the charges. 31-year-old Daryl Campbell, better known as Multimedia Personality Tax Stone, went before a judge in federal court to be arraigned on two federal gun charges, including gun possession by a convicted felon. His attorney, Kenneth J. Montgomery, told me outside the courthouse, Campbell is not guilty. We deny all those charges. In court papers, federal prosecutors say DNA retrieved from the Caltech 9-millimeter handgun on the grip, the magazine and the trigger indicate it was Campbell's weapon and that he fired the shots that wounded rapper Troy Ave and two others and killed Troy Av's bodyguard, Ronald Banga McFadder, Last May, Montgomery says there's more to all of this. Obviously, there's going to be discovery turned over and more facts and perhaps 3,500 materials in the
3: federal system. So I'm going to reserve any comments about facts uh, until the appropriate
5: time. Prosecutors say Troy Ave picked up the gun after being shot and that it's the one we see him allegedly holding in the video released by the NYPD. In court, the pro-
2: There are a variety of circumstances in which self-defense may become an issue in a criminal case. Uh, It could be a situation where somebody uses deadly force and they've killed somebody. And the defendant is claiming, I use that force to protect myself or to protect somebody else. Because under the law in the state of Nevada, You have the same right to defend yourself as you do to use self-defense to defend somebody else who's in a position of vulnerability. Additionally, under the law in the state of Nevada, you have the right to use deadly force against a burglar that comes into your home with the intent to commit a felony or cause substantial bodily harm to somebody. We represent a lot of people involved in disturbances, fist fights, often alcohol is a factor, but it's very common in Las Vegas. People are coming to have a good time, and sometimes, you know, things get out of hand, uh, and people get into fights when they're out trying to have a good time. it's not uncommon in those situations for the police to come and just arrest everybody and charge everybody with a crime. Uh, However, there's nothing in the law that says that you have to tolerate someone else's abuse. So if somebody else is physically aggressive with you, um, you have the right to defend yourself. So if you've been charged with a battery And that battery stemmed from some type of of quarrel um, where you felt legitimately that you had to defend yourself and used physical force in doing so. Um, It's important that you hire an attorney that will aggressively defend you and assert your right to self-defense in order to either uh, convince the prosecutor to drop the charges altogether or uh, to win your case uh, with a self-defense argument at trial. Another area where self-defense can come into play is with rela- in relation to battery domestic violence. A quarrel between, for example, a husband and a wife. Um, often it's a neighbor that calls the police. The police come, they may hear arguing back and forth. In Nevada, most often it seems that law enforcement tends to arrest the, the person that got the worst of it so that if somebody has a mark, the presumption is, well, the other party was the aggressor, the other party should be taken in. But it doesn't always work out that way. It could be that, um, that the person that has the injury is the one that started the fight. And it's not always the man that, that does the battering. Sometimes, um, you know, a woman might throw something or a woman might swing at, punch her domestic partner. And the, the man might simply be responding or defending himself. In those situations, self-defense certainly may come into play, and an aggressive uh, defense attorney will assert that uh, you were only you—you know—you were exercising your right to self uh, your, to, to defend yourself, which is which is perfectly lawful. I'm attorney Michael Becker with the Las Vegas Defense Group. If you or a loved one has been charged with a criminal offense in Las Vegas or throughout the state of Nevada, trust in me and my legal team to get your case dismissed or otherwise negotiate a resolution that causes minimal harm to you and your future.
6: Pretty complicated, pretty fast on you. There's rules and there's exceptions to the rules, but you're always driving to the sentencing table as we talked before, the criminal history category going one through six, and those little numbers in paren, zero or one, criminal history category one, two or three, and so forth, are criminal history points. They're not necessarily uh, the number of convictions. These are points that are uh, accumulated uh, via chapter four under the criminal history rules. And you get these points based on uh, prior sentences, based on uh, the defendant's status. Also, this idea of recency. You just got out of prison fairly recently and you're sorta, the defendant's sorta back at it again. We're saying you're gonna get extra points. The defendant's gonna get extra points under this idea of recency. And you'll see some types of offenses that are never counted. For example, foreign sentences, uh, tribal court sentences, uh, court marshals, even juvenile status offenses, for example. Now under the guidelines, juvenile convictions are countable, potentially, but not juvenile status offenses. Know, possession of alcohol by a minor would be an example of a juvenile status offense. And it works like this. You get three points if the sentence is greater than 13 months, two points if it's greater than 60 days or equal to 60 days up to 13 months, and one point for all others. And you'll see this time period. So if you have a a three-pointer, you got a two-year prison sentence, it's a three-pointer, you have a time period. It has to be within 15 years of the sentence, and you'll see a notation imposition or release. What that means, you, you look at when that offense occurred, and then count back 15 years. And if that prior sentence occurred within that 15 years, you're going to meet the requirements of that time period. If that prior sentence occurs before that 15 year period, and the defendant got a prison sentence and was released within that 15 year time period, it's also countable. Okay, these time periods are important to keep in mind. So this is for prior offenses committed at 18 or older. These are adult um, prior sentences. And as I mentioned earlier, you also count sentences that occurred before uh, age 18 It's a little bit different here you get you get a three-pointer if uh, only if convicted as an adult and the sentence has to be greater than 13 months and it's the time period is within 15 years of the sentence and position or release a two-pointer for greater or equal to 60 days up to 13 months you have a time period there within five years and a one-pointer for all others now there's some other important determinations you sort of have to be mindful of as you do the criminal history rules and we can't point them all out for you but the key ones especially for you new folks the key ones to be looking at is the relationship of prior sentences and uh, Relevant conduct. Under 41.2a1, it says the term prior sentence means any sentence previously imposed upon adjudication of guilt for conduct not part of the instant offense. If you had a drug case, for example, where you had relevant conduct from a prior sentence being included in, in the current offense conduct, Okay, you're going to include that in the offense and not count it as prior as a prior sentence. It gets a little complicated, but you know on that point. But the basic rule is, if it's part of the instant offense, if you pulled that conduct out of a state sentence and put it into the 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 current offense to do the guideline calculation, you're going to include it. as uh, you're not going to include it as uh, a prior uh, sentence. The other point is uh, related prior cases. Related cases are treated as one sentence for purpose of the criminal history calculation. On page 293 of the guidelines manual 41.2 A2 says prior sentences imposed in unrelated cases are to be counted separately and prior sentences imposed in related cases are uh, treated as one sentence, just one sentence for purposes of uh, a 41.1. If the the defendant comes in for a in a prior sentence and there's two or three cases all sentenced on the same day, for example, they, they could be sort of grouped together, you know, into one sentence. And, and have one set of criminal uh, history points for that uh, prior sentence. So you want to be mindful to take a look at related cases. The other point you want to be mindful of are prior revocations of supervision. Sort of like the question: Well, how do how do the guidelines treat a, a prior sentence where there was also a prior a probation sentence where then the probation A
2: person's home is their castle. And it's a rare occasion that law enforcement is going to violate the sanctity of your home. But if law enforcement does knock at your door, you would ask them, Do you have a warrant? If they have a warrant signed by a judge, let them in. Law enforcement may also try to get your consent to search. They may step in when you open the door and say, we're going to search your home. At that point, you absolutely have the right to say, no, I need you to leave. You don't have my permission to search. The only circumstance that the police can come into your home without a warrant would be if there was an exigent circumstance, such as a health and safety check, if law enforcement had the reasonable belief that someone in your home might be injured or if they are in hot pursuit of a fleeing felon who just ran into your home. The bottom line is you have the right to be secure in your home, and you have the right to say no to the police if they try to search your home without a warrant.
4: We're going to consider those things that occurred in avoiding detection or responsibility for the offense of conviction. And those things may be occurring even after the offense of conviction, but there's some attempt to avoid detection or responsibility. Still, temporally, it's expanded a little bit, but there's still this nexus, this connection with our offense of conviction. Now, under A1, the who is going to be... Everything the defendant did, we have, uh, you know, a lot more legalistic type language. We say if the defendant committed an act or if the defendant aided an act or abetted it or counseled it, commanded it, induced it, procured it, willfully caused it. But basically, it's like, did the defendant do it? But we're also going in some instances, look at the acts of others. Now, the acts of others we require a further analysis to occur. And this, we refer to it as our three-part analysis. First you have to determine the scope of the defendant's jointly undertaken activity. And then you have to make the determination, well, these acts of others, were they in furtherance of this undertaking my defendant was engaged in? Would a reasonable person have foreseen that engaging in undertaking with other people, that they may have done these kinds of acts in furtherance of this undertaking. The defendant committed the robbery, okay? So now we're asking about this, the specific offense characteristics, of Chapter 2 consideration. We know A1 covers Chapter 2 considerations. And the question is, was a firearm possessed? Well, the analysis is this Act occurred during the offense of conviction. He possessed the gun during the offense of conviction. It was an act that was committed by the defendant. The defendant did it during the offense of conviction. It's relevant. Yes, when the guideline says give five offense level increase, you have relevant conduct of a firearm being possessed by the defendant. You give the five offense level increase. But say our defendant did rob this bank with others, and our defendant didn't carry the gun. The other guy carried the gun. When the offense level increases, give five levels if a firearm was possessed, is our defendant going to get that or not? The three-step analysis. Was our defendant engaged in jointly undertaking activity with this other person? And what was that scope? Well, the undertaking, undertaking that our defendant had was the robbery. Was this act of this other person, this act we're looking at, the carrying of the gun, was that in furtherance of this robbery? Hmm. He pointed at the tellers, and they did, did seem to give money a lot more quickly when he did so. Seems to have been in furtherance of the undertaking. And then finally, would a reasonable person who has undertaken a robbery with someone else have foreseen that someone may have used a weapon during a crime of violence? And you have to answer that as well in the affirmative. If so, then even though it's an act of someone else, it is relevant conduct, And being relevant conduct, the defendant's held accountable for it. This defendant and that defendant, they robbed a bank together. Hmm, what was the scope of the conspiracy? Well, the scope of the conspiracy was to rob the bank. Sometimes the conspiracy and what the defendant has undertaken are mirror images of each other. They are one and the same. But that is not always the case. The scope of the criminal activity jointly undertaken by the defendant is not necessarily the same as the scope of the entire conspiracy. The examples would be uh, the defendant is is convicted of a conspiracy count uh, and the conspiracy count has your defendant and a hundred other people engaged in a conspiracy to import drugs on a hundred different occasions into the country. Well, your defendant is criminally responsible, criminally liable for this conspiracy, having been convicted of it. But for sentencing purposes, we say, well, what this defendant undertook may not be the same as this entire conspiracy. And you have to look at the facts and say, well, this defendant's undertaking actually was the importation of drugs on three occasions. Out of those hundreds of importations, this defendant was engaged in three of those. You have narrowed down from this entire conspiracy the, the undertaking of this particular defendant. Reason to be foreseeable. Uh, we have that language about reason to be foreseeable. Reason to be foreseeable is the language in our three-step analysis, three-part analysis for holding the defendant accountable for the acts of others. As such, reason foreseeability applies only to the conduct of others it does not apply to the acts of the defendant. For instance, the defendant's convicted, say, of the conspiracy. And the act of the defendant in the conspiracy was the defendant brought in the bag of drugs that contained two kilos of heroin. Well, turns out, the defendant says, gosh, I had no idea I was bringing in heroin. I thought it was cocaine. And I didn't realize it was two kilos. It felt like about a kilo and a half to me, you know. And the question is, well, Gee, would that have been reasonably foreseeable to the defendant that he was carrying heroin instead of cocaine and that it was two kilos instead of a half kilo? You don't even have to go there. Because if the defendant did it and it occurred during the offense conviction, the defendant's responsible for that. So reasonable foreseeability isn't something we're looking at in regard to the acts of the defendant. That's when we're looking at the acts of others. And as we look at the acts of others, keep in mind it's only one part of the three-part analysis of looking at the acts of others. For instance, the defendant, out of these 100 importations, with these hundreds of people over this long period of time, undertook three of those importations.
2: First time failure to register in the state of Nevada as a sex offender is a category D felony carrying a prison term of up to four years. Failure to register for a second time or more in the state of Nevada is a category C felony, which carries a prison sentence of up to five years. Additionally, you can only request the district court to eliminate your requirement of registration if you have registered for 15 years consecutively. So failing to register would cause that time clock to start anew and delay your ability to seek to have the court end that requirement.
7: Hello, I'm Michael Castile, an attorney with the Las Vegas Defense Group. Other than the crime of murder, in Nevada, sexual assault is the most serious offense you can face in this state. If you are convicted, in addition to facing a lifelong prison term, you're also required to register for life as a sex offender. Even if eventually you are paroled, it may be difficult to land a job with this on your record. In Nevada, the legal definition of sexual assault, otherwise known as rape, is when a person subjects another person to penetration sexually against the will of the victim or under conditions in which a perpetrator knows or should know the victim is mentally or physically incapable of resisting. In short, it's illegal for you to have sex with someone against a person's will, or when you know or should have known the person lacked the capacity to say no or to understand what was happening. In some cases, where someone unlawfully touches another person in a sexual manner that falls short of sexual assault, such as groping, for example, he or she might be charged with the lesser Nevada crime of open and gross lewdness. In Nevada, even though rape is one of the most serious crimes you can be accused of, it also lends itself to several effective defenses. The following are some of the strategies a defense lawyer may employ in Nevada sexual assault cases. Number one, false accusations. Judges and prosecutors know that innocent people can be falsely accused of rape, whether it's out of anger, jealousy, revenge, a way to win child custody, or just an honest misunderstanding. If your attorney can raise a reasonable doubt by showing that someone may have falsely accused you, your sexual assault case should be dismissed. Number two, lack of proof. Unless there was a video recording of the incident, sexual assault can be extremely difficult to prove because it often comes down to a case of he says, she says. As long as the state cannot show guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, sexual assault charges should be dropped. And finally, number three, consent. Rape is forcing someone to have sex against their will or when they're too incapacitated to resist. Therefore, if your attorney can show that the victim gave his or her consent to have sex, the Nevada sexual assault charges cannot stand. If you or someone you know has been charged with sexual assault, Please don't hesitate to contact our law office at 702-DEFENSE to arrange for your free consultation or visit us at 702-DEFENSE.COM for more information. Thank you.